0: Jake, are you ready? Oh yeah, absolutely. What is going on, everybody? It's another episode of the Rookie on the Rise. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, we have a wonderful guest. A guest that is just fabulous, quite frankly. And I'm not even going to break down what he's about. I'm going to let Jake do it himself. Jake... How the heck what are you? What's you about? How are things going for you tonight, man?
1: I'm great. Uh, thanks for having me on, man. First of all, um, I, I, a little bit about myself. I got my uh, master's in business administration. Um, don't do a whole lot of that for work. And um, <laughs> I was like, well, so I, I do a lot of fantasy. I've been playing since about 2006, redraft most of the time. In the last couple of years, I got into Dynasty. And I realized it's a whole different realm. And I realized that if I want to be competitive, I need to figure out how the heck I'm going to win. And so um, first year was a, good, it was a good redraft team, but it wasn't a good dynasty team. So I had to make a lot of changes. And um, with the upcoming rookie draft, I was like, dude, how the heck can I get a, a, an advantage here? And so uh, I started racking my brain. And I remembered in grad school, I learned about what's called regression analysis. So a lot of people think, a lot of people don't know much about regression analysis. You talk about regression, they think that you're talking about a player regressing. That is not what we're talking about here. Regression analysis is a statistical analysis that um, it, you enter a database or whatever and you have all these predicting, uh, I guess, attribute skills or whatever. Whatever you're measuring is the predictors and you also measure the response. So the response in this case is fantasy points, right? And so we have fantasy points compared to um, a lot of college stats is where I went with it. And so I wanted to figure out what college stats NFL players currently have or had in college that translate to more fantasy points. And so in doing so, I learned a ton and well, one, it it took forever to build those databases. But I've learned that I actually found things that actually predict that success. Now, again, this is human Human uh, people, and you can't predict behavior. However, you know, there's trends, and um, based on historical data, you can. Now, that's, you know, we'll take that with a grain of salt because just because a model predicts something and it predicts it with frequency doesn't mean that it's going to happen every time because you have your outliers, you have guys that come in a league and they're major busts. It happens all the time. So, sorry for the huge rant, but that's my background. Uh, That's how. I've gotten to um, where I'm at and that's where where I'm currently at.
0: And ladies and gentlemen, that's the podcast. Thanks for going. Bye-bye. Just kidding. That's (laughs) that's like the best breakdown of what a regression analysis is for someone who's a wannabe nerd or wants to be a nerd. So thank you for that. That That was incredibly insightful and I really, really appreciate that. And now I actually kind of have an idea of what the heck's going on when someone talks about that. My eyes will not glaze over no longer, damn it. <laughs> All right, so before we yeah. break down the rookies, let's jump into the question of the show. Okay, if you had to wear a backpack for your entire life, what three things would you have <laughs> to have in it?
1: It's such a tough question because I'm a planner man. Like I feel like I need to know where I'm gonna be, where I'm going. Like what's the scenario? Do I have, uh, you know, <laughs> like pockets or something? That's that was a joke I made a few months ago, but um. Let's see. So I'll just I'll just say three things that I feel like I always use. Right. So, number one, I'm embarrassed to admit it, but I spend way too much time on my phone. hundred percent. Definitely want my phone. And so along with that, I guess item number two has to be a charger because I got to be able to charge that thing somewhere. And if not, I'm screwed. Right. Number three gets tougher, man. Like, you know, like I don't know the scenario, the situation, but I need some damn water. So I'm thinking a gallon of water. You can refill it, right? I don't know where I'm gonna be, but I need my water. So, so those are the three things I'm gonna go with.
0: I like a phone, a phone charger, and water. That is the best way. That's a survival kit right there, baby. That's a survival kit.
1: I don't know. I don't know if that's what we're doing, but that's what I like.
0: I don't either. And I guess we'll find out if that situation ever occurs. Because damn it, now you're prepared. <laughs> yeah. So yep. you broke down your process for rookies. Do you want to go any any kind anything else into how you kind of differentiate and add context to your model and what's going on. Yeah, I want to jump I mean, right
1: in. There's a lot of things I could touch on. I'll, I'll say, um, you know, especially since I've delved in, I've only really been doing this Twitter about six weeks and what's been cool is a lot of the content's been consumed and people are really enjoying it, which is cool. I'm, I'm loving the interactions. I'm, I'm learning. I actually found somebody who's doing regression analysis, not to predict rookie success, but to predict player to player yearly success which is interesting. I haven't delved into that or attempted anything at that, but that's something that I, I guess I'm going to have to think about doing now. I just don't want to think about recreating these databases because I mean, I'm, I'm probably put a hundred hours into it. Not kidding, but um I, I believe it. I will say this. I will say that quarterbacks really pissed me off because it's almost impossible to predict like everything else. I feel like my models are pretty good. Um, and, and a lot of it actually aligns with the film. That's something I was touching on just now you see these people who are arguing films versus analytics. And in my opinion, you know, this is, I have one year sample size of doing this, but I watched film before I ever dove like into the actual analytics and um, I had my film rankings, right? So I wrote all this stuff down and then I figured out that I wanted to do regression and my regression analysis actually aligned with a lot of that stuff. So it was really cool that these players that I had already picked out and thought that they were going to be great. The data said the exact same thing. So you see these people arguing about, you know, which is king, data or film. And I'm not saying like I'm an expert uh, analyzer because I'm not. You know, like I was, um, I was a person who was on Twitter saying BMI matters, not necessarily BMI, but size, right? I argued that for two weeks, did this model, and I was like, damn, Jake, you are freaking wrong. And and I and I still hold some value to size, but um, I don't know. I guess long story short. Um, Analytics and my and my opinion and film should be aligning, and I say analytics yeah. in terms of like what I'm doing, not analytics, because you can find stats to support whatever. Someone, um, I can't remember who, uh, Dynasty Masters, uh, shout out to Dynasty Masters. We were talking about that today. Um, yeah, it, it, in my opinion, when you're when you're doing these analysis, they should be aligning. And if they're not, then then there's question marks, and you're thinking, okay, is my model wrong, or do I just not know how to analyze film?
0: Right. That's fair. And I think that's a really good way. And that's kind of been the consistent theme with the guests that we've had on thus far, just, you know, making sure that we're adding context and we're understanding where our expertise lies and where like our information lies. So we can make sure we're not overstepping our, our bounds, so to speak. So
1: let's,
0: let's, let's put this to the test. We got a couple, couple rookies that coming up here that I'm really excited about. And I just want to jump, jump right in quite frankly. So Rondale Moore
1: young kid out
0: of young kid out of purdue he lost two inches in the process and about nine or and then gained a pound a pound although others were expecting about 10 so he weighed in at five or he weighed in at 181 pounds and he uh has is five seven gives him a body mass indicator of where are you Rondale? you ran for me 28.19 so he's a thick boy with a couple c's thrown in there when we're looking at, and he's also young, 20, he's be, uh, age 20, 20 at draft day. So when, when you plugged Rondale Moore into your model, Jake, what, what came out? What was, what was saying, what, what, what can you glean from that information?
1: So it was really cool. Um, so again, um, before I ever, so I tried to keep everything that I had as unbiased as possible. I wanted it to be objective, not subjective and so when you you're trying not to look at the expert rankings and stuff like that because you want to you want it to be your own thing um but what was really cool is a lot of this stuff did align with that stuff so i assume that those guys are doing something similar over there and i kind of found that insight today when i actually found a guy who's doing regression models who actually did that for dynasty nerds and so i i know that's what they're doing over there too so it makes sense and it's like i said it's very predictive but um Rondell Moore. He was my number six receiver, and in my opinion, uh, that's the end of the tier, right? So you've got right. well seven guys if you throw in Jalen Waddle. My model hates Jalen Waddle, so sure. I don't win it. Um, but but outside of him, it's it's the there's a clear tier there, uh, drop off after Rondell, and, and I agree with that. Generally, next to Jalen Waddle, I think Jalen should be there. So top seven in my opinion, then there's a tier drop off. Um, so the things that carry Jalen, uh, where his dominator rating 36.7, I think he had the earliest breakout age in this class at 18.2. Um, so draft capital can change things. If I'm assuming he goes in uh, round one, I think I used Walter football, which, uh, I'm not sure I hear, I hear different things about them, but, um, I wanted to at least keep things consistent and use the same mock draft. So things will change, uh, post draft. Um, because draft capital does matter, especially for receivers. So if he falls, that's going to change his score. Um, and, and I did throw in, like, film scores. I threw – I gave – so you could get up to five points. So I want to keep it, again, uh, objective rather than subjective. But if you've got a guy like Jalen Waddell um, lower than Tutu Atwell, there's a problem, you know. It's like yeah. the numbers are great, but let's take some context here. So, like, I cleaned some things up where I can I have a level of competition adjustment. You know, if you're playing at LSU or Alabama, not only are you playing great elite teams, your internal competition is also insane. So you get, you get bonus points for that. Now, if you're like a a Trey Lance or who do we have Jalen Darden, would could be a good one for receivers. Jalen Darden, when they go to these small schools and they dominate, you still have to take the context that they're playing shitty schools. So not to say shitty, but, but in, in, comparison to LSU, or any of, uh, FBS, then, uh, it's just different playing field. So right. that's kind of how I went about things. Uh, again, the, the model is just a direct, uh, direct computation of historical data. So Which is I think strange. I went back for three years on receivers. I want to keep a recency bias or not bias necessarily, but I want to keep things relevant you know I think it's an ever-changing game and so going back too far your results probably wouldn't be as likely
0: yeah it's it's that's a great way of approaching it right three years six years it's kind of like that range in which you want to start looking in in trends and what you're seeing in the NFL and it's not like he wasn't successful nor productive in the NFL and I'm sure you've probably heard about this I'm sure the listeners have too because he's one of the more popular wide receivers right he put up a 36.7 unadjusted college dominator which is a 72nd percentile he had a 29% t- uh, percent college target share this 81st percentile we already mentioned his breakout age he ran a 43 or 429 I believe oh four, yeah yeah 429 four, at the at the uh, at his pro day so you know i there's an article put up at RotoViz by Matt Spencer and he found that uh there's strong statistical evidence to support a either no change to the pro day or a 0. 0.02. So two tenths of a second to the pro day. And I know that when I said with Carl Ky, or Tyler that we need to change it by five tenths of a second, well, new information has been enlightened to me. And it is now two tenths. So I adjusted a four, three, one. So right. With his height adjusted speed score, it gave him a 95. So, you know, nothing electric or incredible, but he's still, he's not slow. And he's, yeah. he's got a great burst out burst score and an agility score. According to player profiler, he's a 96th percentile burst and 94th percentile agility, which we see on tape. And that's what I'm looking yeah. for when I'm looking at tape is I want to see the numbers pop, right? So if, it if, if Rondale Moore looked slow as shit on tape and he was getting tackled from behind and not breaking away and he posts these numbers, I'm a little bit more concerned you know, then he, it translates. And the same, same thing says for in the NFL, like I want to see what I'm projecting for them resonate or uh, resonate on the field. Just like Jalen Rager, a quick tangent, love them. Wide receiver one really shitty year, but what I was hoping for and what we saw, the elusiveness, the, the dynamic abilities, the punt returning abilities, he showed all of that on the field. And so he's got a full year to recoup. So I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing. So, when I'm looking at Rondale Moore, I think that sweet spot for him ranking right now, pre-draft capital is probably that five to six range. I think I have him at three right now. More likely than not, he probably will get dropped down to five. Um, But he's, he's just, he's such a unique player. You know, there's been like one, I don't think there's been any like capable NFL player. That's been five, seven. So, this class is like the, the, Rorschach, the Rorschach test, test in terms of what is actually the truth and what we're perceiving and wanting to be the truth. Right. And so I've been hearing third round draft capital for Rondale Moore. Does that make you concerned if Rondale's a third round wide receiver? Or are you still going to kind of keep him steady around that six spot in your yeah. rankings?
1: Well, let me. Uh... Let me just throw it in the model and see what happens. Give me two seconds. Ooh, I love this. This is live, folks. We oh. are getting
0: live information. So, yeah.
1: Okay, so say he goes third round. That drops him. Hold on. So he's at 176. This is just score, right? 176. If he goes third round, that drops him to 164. So it looks like it's about six points per round. Okay. So – uh he would drop 12 points and 12 points would put him at on this he'd be about wide receiver 10 so he's not significant drop but um
0: a drop yeah. nonetheless and that's probably yeah. and i think with rondale Moore too is is his it's you know he, he everyone's going to point to his a dot his giant season he really wasn't getting much work past like the 10 yard 10 15 yard line right so mm-hmm. he curious about how it translates and he's one of the guys where if he's gonna find his way onto a team that is just gonna not utilize his abilities to the best and to maximize what he's able to give then i think it's really fair to fade him and fade his his uh, his opportunity and, and and you'll probably see him ending up being more of like a late or early early second round type rookie player so what do you have a preferred, like, a team or a scheme that you think Ron Moore would thrive in?
1: <laughs> well, there's the easy answer, the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course. You know, that's, that's what everyone says, and um, I guess here's my thing. So, you, you want a coach that plays the abilities, and um, I can't remember who referenced this, but uh, when you think of the Chiefs, it's not just a vertical offense. They, they spread out horizontally. They're, you know, they get all, you're running a lot of sweeps. They're running, send a lot of people in motion. They do a lot of things horizontally, so it's like you're trying to you're trying to cover both horizontal and vertical, and you have so many fast guys. So Andy Reid draws up just incredible plays. So I mean, that's the easy answer, obviously, but you could throw X receiver in, and he's ideally going to be great there. But um, so I don't know. I guess what team needs a slot receiver because I, I mean you can't throw him on the outside, right? Not at five six, five seven. Well, um, I don't know.
0: Could you? I, I think I, I think he. I mean, he's not going to be the the prototypical outside wide receiver, but I mean, Steve Smith didn't play his entire career in the slot. Okay.
1: Yeah, I, I guess I guess you're tr- that's true, and he's and, running a four two nine. So if you can blow past the receiver on the on right. the outside, maybe that's what you're doing. Maybe they want you to open up the offense, but. Right. With that said, you're not gonna just have this dude and go routes because no, I think that'd be a too a, athletic.
0: Yeah, it'd be a gross misuse of his his abilities. And at first, seeing coaches say that that's what he's gonna do, I think that's a huge red flag for me. Player profilers has got him comp to T Y Hilton. Yeah, so, I saw that. You know what? Fuck it. Let's put his ass on the Colts. You know what I'm saying? Let's replace T Y with a brand new T Y and Rondale yeah. Moore. I think he'd be electric as shit. Yeah, I'm a right Titans there. fan,
1: so I hate that.
0: <laughs> that's and and that's fair, but I think. I think what you don't want him to see is you don't want him to go to a one of those teams where they seem to just have the archaic mindset. And so I'm just going to use Pete Carroll because I'm a Seahawks fan and I've been railing against him for the last five, six months now. You know, he, he brought Jimmy Graham in and he asked Jimmy Graham to block for over 40% which of the is snaps, stupid. Yes, which I don't is insane, right? So what you want is you want the not Pete Carroll effect. And that's just what I'm calling this until there's another coach just as stupid and more deserving. <laughs> Nagy, Nagy's a so, bad one. Yeah. Right. So you want Rondale Moore. And honestly, I would prefer, or I would even take like a less opportunistic landing spot to land with a head coach that knows the fuck he's doing with his talent. Right. So put his ass in San Francisco, there's a loaded ass field. And that's kind of, that makes you a little reserved or even Kansas city. Right. But at least, you know, and you trust the team's going to utilize him to the best of his abilities. So it's the may the best man win. And then you're able to kind of figure out who's the best value play. Right. I think, and that's, what's so hard about Rondale Moore is because just like all these all these rookies everything we're saying could potentially go right into the fucking shred bin just because with draft capital it's gonna be a really really interesting and enlightening especially this year right given the inability for teams to communicate and so it's going to be interesting and so i think my parting words on Rondale Moore to the audience is when he has his landing spot no matter what, the reaction is going to be an overreaction. I'm very confident in that because he's such a hotly contested player. So if he lands in a Kansas City-esque role or a San Francisco-esque role, yeah. it's going to blow up and he's going to just skyrocket in ADP.
1: But- it doesn't matter what no. what receiver goes there. Yeah. I, I, and I pray it's not the
0: next guy we're talking about because if Me it too. is, I know I'm not getting him. Me too. Me too. And – and you. You gotta fade that noise, right? Yep. Just just as if he goes to a less than ideal spot. We all thought AJ Brown going to the Titans was absolute booty hole. Maybe not you as a Titans Ooh. fan, but most of us saw it was absolute butt. You right. gotta relax. You gotta take a, a second to really analyze what's going on, yep. and then also listen to me because, God damn it, I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna help you. That's what we're here um, for.
1: I'm- I'll say, I'll say, um, I generally try and ignore landing spots because. I think good players make plays. Yep. Um, however, now, if there's not room, like you go to a wide receiver room that's full of proven guys, now that's different. But if there's opportunity there, and you're a playmaker like Rashad Bateman, I was, I was when I was higher on him, I wanted him to go to the Baltimore Ravens. I wanted it to happen because I knew I was going to get him at 110. Me too. And, uh, and that's one quarterback. I knew that that was the only way I was going to get him. This is uh, assuming he was at 210, not 190, obviously. But – um, yeah, so I mean I try not to fade too much for that, but if there's
0: not wide
1: receiver room there, you gotta fade them a little bit. Yep, I don't and I know don't what would be a good example of that. Maybe maybe the Steelers, but other than that, I don't know what situation.
0: Yeah, I think I, I and I hate calling it the peach carol, the peak carroll effect because you know I don't I don't subscribe to coach centric analysis, right? And that's kind of what right. that is. It's not it's not ideal. I just worry that he's very easily tight cast. And I'm not sure that he has the vast abilities to overcome that sort of predicament. Right. So he's, he's a very clearly and obviously very talented player. The last sure. thing I want to say is from an efficiency standpoint, you know, he, he had, he logged a 2.47 yards per team pass attempt, pass attempt his uh, rookie, his freshman year, excuse me. It was adjusted mm-hmm. for games that he missed potentially over his career. He had a 2.25 yards per team pass attempt. So through his entire career, he's been incredibly efficient with his touches. So even if he's not going to see 10 targets a game, if he's going to see a four to six targets, I just think he's the type of player that I don't want to fade. It's going to take a lot for me to fade and to be okay, not drafting him. Right. More often than not, he's like one of those guys that I'm going to want on my teams. And that's that's ultimately what we're doing with these models is finding which players we're okay missing on and fading and which players we really don't want to do that. Right right which i think and when you said this next guy i my my entire day just lit right up i
1: was man when i was so ecstatic, ecstatic when i see your list he wasn't i was like what how and yeah
0: oh yeah i was just waiting for someone to say it. i was waiting for someone to tell me terrace marshall jr wide receiver out of lsu right yep. here he we are over- he gets overshadowed because he played with two behemoths. He played with Jamar Chase. He played with Justin Jefferson. You know, and, and he, you know, he only played six games in 2020. He's 6'2", 205. So he's got the size that you love to see. He's going to be age 20 on draft. So he's young as shit. He has a college dominator of 46.5%. He has a college target share of 16.6%. He broke out at age 19.2. He ran a 4-4 four, four flat, I believe. Or actually, I think he ran better than that. He ran a uh, he ran 4-4 four, four adju- four, four, four adjusted, which gives him 105, 105.74 uh, height-adjusted speed score. As an effic- efficiency metric, his best season, he put up a 2.52 yards per team pass attempt over his career. He had a 1.55. And that's just taking into account sort of his entire Resume and it's obviously not great because he didn't get a ton of opportunity until his 2019 season. So, what does the model say about Terrace Marshall Jr. and what is it? What is it showing you?
1: Here is the beautiful part of Terrace Marshall Jr. This model has him, Jamar Chase, same, same. They're in the same program, and Terrace Marshall Jr. is me, my highest scored player. He's not my highest ranked, but he is my highest scoring player, meaning this model loves him. And when you look at that, um, there's a lot of reasons why. It's one, uh, his, his dominator rating of uh, 46.5 and that BOA of 19.2. Obviously, uh, draft capital two, they're expecting him to go first round. Um, if he goes uh, second round, that might drop him to, he would still be the third highest scoring player on here um I love tears Marshall so so when I look at my tiers, right so I had like I said I have seven guys in this top tier and all they are um so we got Chase Marshall Bateman Devonte Smith I got Tylen Wallace in there Rondell Moore and Jalen Waddle right so I see those guys and I think these are seven guys that I'd love to have but who's the most risk adverse right who do I think has a high ceiling but also a high floor and the two guys that pop out are Jamar Chase and Terrace Marshall. Originally Rashad Bateman as well, but he 20 pounds lighter than what was projected. Yeah, That's ridiculous. Two, just shorter. So he's got to fall. He, so yeah. I, I see a guy who's got the elite size and elite speed, and he's been overshadowed. I, I truly believe he's been overshadowed. Um, also found a very interesting stat. Again, shout out to Dynasty Masters. Uh, this dude, he's on the money. He said um, – Context is important. Terrace Marshall fractured his foot in week four of 2019. Oh, missed three weeks. And But before that, um, he had the same amount of receptions as Chase and Jeff. I don't know Jeff. I'm not ahead of the curve on next year's players. Um, he had 304 receiving yards compared to Jeff's 392 and Chase's 397. That's got to be he Jefferson. Had, who, oh, Justin Jefferson. That's okay, has got to be Jefferson. That makes total sense. <laughs> yeah, Definitely. All right, so, yeah, so we're comparing Justin Jefferson and Chase here. Um, Chase had five touchdowns, Jefferson had five touchdowns, and Marshall had six. So here's something else that I um, thought about as well. So we see that he's played hit the slot most of his career. I think it was like 97% of snaps, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and I, don't, I you can't say for certain because Jamar Chase is a freak athlete, and so is Justin Jefferson. But maybe the reason – that he's playing slot is because he's the most versatile player. Maybe he's of those three, the best guy in the slot. And the other two maybe can't play the slot as well. I don't know. That's, that's total speculation. But the point is he's been overshadowed because he's got these two guys on the outside and clearly Justin Jefferson a stud. Jamar chase, in my opinion, is the clear cut wide receiver one in this. So with that, if you've played with the top two and you're still producing and you're still getting targets, You've just been overshadowed. I would one hundred percent rather take Terrence Marshall after Justin, or sorry, not Justin after Jamar. There's nobody else. That's it was it was Rashad. I just can't do it anymore. I see the I see that higher floor because of his size. He's not gonna he's not gonna have those problems that De, De, sorry Devonte Smith or uh, Rondell Moore may see.
0: I'll uh, I'll walk you off that Rashad Bateman cliff after after uh, our show here, just because. I think I think it. Yeah, I'll walk you off that cliff a little bit. Okay. So, so don't you worry about that. But I, <laughs> I'm I'm so happy that you brought up the 2019 foot fracture because he broke out with three less games than he than than he had. So right. like it would have been impressive as is as is if he broke out with a full 15 game slate. You know, and and it's understandable, right? right? Because it was a very competitive competitive roster. So he had not only Chase and Jefferson, he also had Thaddeus Moss. He also had Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who's suctioning off 50 passes in the the season. And he's still produced. And so why does that, why do we care? Why is that important? It's because what that shows us is that not only was he producing at a younger age, so he's able to be competitive against players that are older than him and more mature than him and more stronger than him, but he's also able to, give production and a loaded system which is why mm-hmm. it's so that's why we love seeing players produce side by side right and so when Terrace marshall was able to do that in 2019 like great he can handle he can he can handle you know uh having another one with him right he doesn't need to be the one and have only other twos in the system right and then he, and then he comes out in 2020 and he does the exact same freaking thing, you know, with just as high of a touchdown rate, which I, I don't think we've touched on this yet, but his touchdown rate was insane. It was Abso- yeah. absolutely insane in his career. I want to say he put up almost 10 touchdowns in six games in LSU. I, I I don't know that for sure. That could be wrong. I'll double check. Yeah, it. I don't
1: remember the numbers. I remember it was ridiculous though. But, it,
0: like, but his, his amount of touchdowns was just absolutely bonkers. Yeah, he put up 10 touchdowns in his in 2020 out of seven games and then he's like you know what i'm good i'm i'm, 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 in the out, SEC. I'm out in the sec yeah uh, yeah in the sec i'm out like i got max johnson throwing me the ball and i'm dropping it i'm a i'm a fade i'm gonna go get ready for the nfl and take care of my body so nope. I, I could not be happier for terrace marshall and i, I i'm happy that i'm finding people and, he, and he's really starting to come around which makes me sad because everyone's starting. everyone's starting to hop on that train now and I'm like god damn it I really wanted that yeah yeah so I think my biggest issue with him from a film perspective and I I I've yet to watch any film on him because I just I don't know what I'm doing so I'm gonna trust people who know what the hell they're talking about they are worried Mm -hmm. about his they're just worried about his overall film right like he doesn't do anything exceptional he's good he he right. looks good he's doing cuts he's not dropping the ball he's making people miss you know but it's not anything that's like eye popping and so you know that makes you a little reserved but i mean at, at the same time i'm not going to let that severely tilt me and and tell me how you feel about this but i i don't need my prospects to look fucking amazing on film to be confident that they're going to be very good in the nfl based on the model and so as long as you don't look like dog shit right as long as the numbers say you're good then quite honestly i'm okay with that i are are you feeling the same way jake
1: yeah so again um prior to and, and i may do this every year because i i think i enjoy seeing um how they align but again i watch film before i ever ever touch the model and and i think Terrence marshall was my number five based on that so and that's that's right where a lot of places still have them a lot of places have them five six i think that's starting to change unfortunately um because that's my guy i just picked him up in my dynasty league fortunately Um, that's incredible
0: that's incredible oh yeah i'm real excited (laughs) that's incredible i you know so Similar question. Do you think Terrace Marshall has the talent to, you know, as you mentioned earlier, to kind of have, does he have the talent to rise above the situation or do you think he's going to need a favorable draft position to kind of reach that wide receiver, that ceiling echelon?
1: I, I don't think so. I think he's going to fit in wherever. I think he's a plug and play. It doesn't matter where he goes. He's at AJ Brown is what he reminds me of. I mean, I hate to make that comparison because AJ Brown's a freaking stud and, and we can't predict this stuff. You know, it's hard to say that X player coming out of college, is going to be good in the NFL, like t- totally different speed of game. And some players just can't do it. It just, it's just how it is, unfortunately. But I mean, analytically and from a film perspective, I see everything I want there. And and you did touch on a point where it's like, you don't see this guy that just blows you away, but he does everything well. Right which reminds me of another guy in this draft class, but we plan on time to get
0: into that. And, I mean, I'm down to get in. quite frankly, whatever, honestly, because I, I know, you, I know you, you're you a busy man and you got things to be, but I'm just over here chilling, sipping my imaginary margarita, which is just well, water. I'm just going to
1: say it, then. I'm just going to say it. Yeah, say everyone it. Everyone can hate me. I don't yeah. care. Say it. I'm going go to go against the grain. Trevor Lawrence is not a generational quarterback. I don't see it. I don't understand why people think that. You've got – You've got Mac Jones who had a higher QBR and uh, he was better on his second read, according to PFF. So he's better through his progressions. Clemson's an elite school. They had Amari Rogers and another guy that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head. Who's the other receiver coming out of there? T Higgins, Justin Ross.
0: No, it's this class, right? I don't oh. think it's just Amari Oh, Rogers. Amari, Amari Rogers and Cornell Powell.
1: Thank you. Cornell Powell. So you got two guys going to the NFL. He's got a receivers. He's got ETN, great line. Why is he not producing just as well? And you can say, um, you can say Devonte Smith and Jalen Wall. Yeah, I believe that they're better as well. But, but why is he so much, uh, dude? It just blows my mind that you. Have, when I see quarter generational quarterbacks or generational players, right? I think Saquon or um, uh, Nick Bosa, right? That was another yeah. example that blows yeah. you? A long time ago, Peyton Manning, you see these guys that when you look at their film, they're so far ahead of their peers. I think that Trevor Lawrence is good, and I I think he's the best quarterback in this draft. Uh, And I don't think that's by a big margin, though. I think it's close. And so when I see generational quarterback, it's like almost become a trigger for me because I see him going uh, like six overall in, in super flex leagues. You got a guy who hasn't even touched the field, and we know how often quarterbacks bust. This is not a guy that you see, and he's just like, Oh my God, I cannot believe how good he is. He's good, he does everything well, but he, I just don't see anything that's just like, Holy shit. And I, I know that's against the grain, but I mean, it yeah. is what it is. No, no I
0: don't. I like that you threw that out there. I, the only, only kickback I'll have, and I'm personally in my very darkest of darkest hearts. I, I like Justin Fields more than than Trevor Lawrence. I, and that's just I, I, I have and that's just who I've kind of rode with. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. I'm comfortable, I'm comfortable with that. Uh, gun to my head, I'll probably take Trevor Lawrence just because I think that's the more is that realistic. because of the
1: math is that really how you feel though? That's no, the part I think
0: that's like- I so like I was I that's how I was feeling it's like I'm just gonna ride with Justin Fields and fuck this nonsense, right? And then someone mentioned, I think it was JJ Zachary, that Trevor Lawrence did all of this. Like he was the most efficient he'd been in his career with throwing to like a bunch of nobodies. You know, Justin Ross was out, Joseph Nagata was out, so it's Amari Rogers, Cornell Powell, and like Travis Etienne. And so, like, I, I respect that he was able to elevate his team so much and still give a, a reasonable, like, a, a good product. While having absolutely nothing in terms of an additional help. And I, it makes me feel good. And obviously, a landing spots to me important. He's going to Jacksonville. So we can get into this in a later date because I think that's just a reality we're going to have to come to terms with. Um, but I, I, think, I think when we're talking about generational players, it's irresponsible to call them generational before they've played. And I know it's a hot thing to do, I know it's fun to do. And I know it's not the great thing to hear. And everyone's like, yeah, well, no kidding, Britt. It's it's irresponsible. But you, you can't call a good draft class or you can't call a draft class bad after the first year. Like you need a solid two to three years to really dive into the draft class and see what the heck's going on. Because we don't always have a 2020 where we're like, holy smokes, this is incredible. Like we are being spoiled right now. This is the one good thing during the pandemic. Thank you. So, I, I like, I think, I think generational is overhype. I think Trevor Lawrence is much closer to uh, Justin Fields than he is to insert your generational quarterback. Andrew Luck, to talk about, Andrew and Luck. sure, Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, whatever you want to say. Yeah. I think they're gonna have very similar careers. Um, especially if Fields is able to go to three and not two or even four, whoever trades up to four for mm-hmm. Atlanta takes him a four, man. I I don't know how we got the Trevor or Terrace Marshall to Trevor Lawrence, but I kind of like it and I, it makes me really happy. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things about this is, you know, we're just talking. We're just talking shop. The, Yeah, shop. Yeah. The basic is uh, go buy Terrace Marshall. I think what, so what is the highest you're going to draft Terrace Marshall in rookie drafts? Let's get, let's get bold. Oh, rookie
1: drafts. I would. Okay. So um, that's tough, man. So I think I'm taking Najee first. Okay. Then I'm taking, Javante, depending on his draft cap and where he goes, but Javante, right. as far as skill and as far as tape, that's my number two guy. Then I'm thinking Jamar Chase, then probably ETN, and then Kyle Pitts, then Terrace Marshall. So I'm taking them five or six, maybe four. Four, five, or six. Four of the earliest.
0: Okay. you, Wow. That's bold, and I love that. Um, I mean,
1: most likely I'm taking him at six, but... Yeah, yeah. But there's a, there's a possibility. Over, yeah, yeah. I'm not taking him over Najee. I'm not taking him over Jamar. I'm definitely not taking him over... Uh, well, depends. Javante depending on where
0: he goes. Yeah. Um. And so, I mean, in Superflex, that is kind of right around that number nine spot, right? Right, yeah. Probably, well,
1: probably closer... Yeah, nine or ten. So, I mean, you're going to have all four all five quarterbacks would probably go back to back to back. Right? I think, uh,
0: yeah, I, I think, I think that nine to five spot right there is, or nine to 10 spot is kind of my cutoff in superflex. And so whenever, whenever Bateman and Terrace Marshall go, I'm probably just going to start looking to trade those picks for players. Yeah. Because I'm just not interested. I know um, I'm
1: getting, I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I gotta, all right, I'm not going to say that, but uh, I think there's a good chance that I get Marshall at 10.
0: So yeah, pretty I think adequate. it's entirely possible, I, especially with this draft class. In order for it to be similar to 2020, we are going to need some extraordinarily favorable landing right. spots. And I hate that we are put in that position. And it's been incredibly disappointing because I just was so excited for this draft class. So, Chris, if you're listening to this, you're right. This is not an incredible draft class. This is a little bit more mediocre than I ant- originally anticipated. Because <laughs> damn it. I'm not above myself. I know when I'm not right all the time and I'm more than willing to admit it. But before we get too far off track, Jake, are you prepared, prepared. to play a game? Oh yeah. I love games. Let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen your master of ceremonies hello and welcome to the 2021 rotor ball contest all right everybody as always we are going to welcome jake into our rotor ball 2021 contest thank you for sticking with us and as always it is a ppr tight end premium game or contest we are taking DFS and baseball. We are mushing them together to creating our beautiful little gremlin. We have eight roster spots: one quarterback, one running back, one wide receiver, five flex. And Jake has a budget of twenty-two thousand player dollars. Excuse me, twenty-two thousand dollars to create his own lineup. All right. And so what he is able, or what he's going to have to do, is he's going to have to keep obviously his budget within the realms. Each player has their own price. The prices will oscillate based on the available information to me and Bradley and Burke to best represent the fair and competitive price. Now, if once Jake sets his lineup, if he is able, or if he wants to change it, he is going, and the prices have already updated, he has to reflect all of those new prices in his lineup. So he cannot pick and choose players that he wants to update his whole lineup either has to stay the same the whole time or update. So Jake, when you saw this, what were your initial reactions? How did you kind of attack building this roster?
1: I actually thought it was pretty cool, man. I haven't seen anybody doing this. Um, but so I have a list in my head. I haven't really come public about it. I've talked about players that I think are undervalued. Um, I'm a big value guy. So like when I look at, um, personally, my team, like in fantasy football, I've got Eckler, Miles Sanders and Fournette. And like, that's not the best running back group, but at the same time, I'm not going to pass on a super deep wide receiver class. So I'm going to take the best guys available because that's just how I do it. So um, with that, that in mind, I had already figured out a lot of players that I think are undervalued, you know, going into this draft. And so that's, that's kind of how I did this. I looked at the guys that I, some of them were ranked high and it was appropriate, but guys that I'm really high on, uh, Terrence Marshall, we just discussed, that's my guy.
0: I'm not passing him up. Um,
1: yeah. So that there was a lot of value picks. So that's kind of how I did it.
0: And how did your roster, how did your roster turn out? Why don't you let the good people know who you ended up with?
1: Sure. Yeah. So, um, we were just talking about Trevor Lawrence. I, I'm a Mac Jones guy, man. Um, there's a lot of people that don't like him. I like Mac Jones a lot. Uh, He's, he's in my opinion he's got to be top three so uh, mac jones in my opinion is a little underrated people think he's a system quarterback
0: uh or a product of good receivers i don't see it so i like mac jones a lot i'm worried that you're chipping me because we're having a lot of very similar thoughts and i'm not sure i love it but i also think i definitely do
1: <laughs> well a lot of this is analytically driven so uh, probably take it for sense. what what it is you know um Najee Harris, that's an easy one. Everyone likes Najee. Um, I personally <laughs> I have a tendency to – I like alpha players that are just jacked. I'm a bodybuilder, so if somebody's jacked, I'm like, oh, man, he's going to be a stud. So, you know, we've all seen Najee wearing uh, the short shorts with the quads out, and I said, well, that's game over. So um, that's my first running back off the board. Um, Trey Sermon. Love Trey Sermon. I think he's extremely underrated. That's my uh, one of my favorite running backs in this class. So that's my uh, third guy. Terrence Marshall, I uh, already mentioned him. He's my fourth guy, favorite receiver in this class next to Jamar. Now, I'll uh, throw in my tight end. A lot of people don't know about this guy. Analytically, I think he popped up as the three or four. Uh, his tape looked good. Noah Gray. If you guys have not seen him, go check him out. There's a lot of guys he looks better than. I don't understand how he's falling under the radar. Tamorion Terry, I think he gets a lot of traction. Um, love Tamorion. Praying to God he goes to the Titans. Cross your fingers. Um, That'd be that's my – yeah, I think so too. Uh, that would be my second receiver. Um, Rashad Bateman. Um, we all know Rashad. I like Rashad a lot. I wish he was bigger, but he's not. And then Josh Amaterbebe. I think um, – can't remember which school he goes to. It's uh, a – Illinois. One. Thank you. That's right, Illinois. He looked really good, um, and that's with poor quarterback play. So check him out. He's got he's um, he's another alpha guy. So I like my receivers big and strong. Uh, I think he's six four, two fifteen, two twenty. He's so uh, he had a really he, uh, six
0: two six. He's a six foot, six, six foot, foot two twelve. Yeah, he he came in as pro day six foot.
1: Oh no. Okay. Well, we're rolling with it still. Six foot. Um, how much did he weigh?
0: oh goodness what did he weigh let me double check while you're filling out the rest of your lineup
1: he, he had to have been a heavy guy because he was um he had a top um no he
0: yeah he he had a good speed score um i want to say yeah that's what it
1: was his speed score was really good
0: yeah he had a good speed score he also put up a 46 and a half which is the freaking yeah highest yeah so, in so we
1: got an athlete there for sure and uh so that's that was a guy who is um valued really low and i think has high ceiling so that, that's he's, my roster we he's got a,
0: he's a guy i keep kind of oscillating between in in and out in and out because i just god i i hope someone wants to talk about him or else i freaking will teach so player profilers got him six one two eighteen. Two
1: eighteen, 2 yeah that's right and then um and then i know he had uh he ran a 4 4 i think or 4 5
0: he ran a uh you ran a four five. Let's see, a four five three pro day, so a four four a four five five adjusted. If you con- or four five five four five eight adjusted,
1: still an elite speed score. So, like when I look at my lower late value guys, I'm looking for someone with elite size and speed that I think has a high ceiling. You know, that's a lot of people will gamble on like two two. I would rather gamble on the guy that I know has the size to to withstand the hits in the NFL. Not to, not that you can if you're smaller, but that's just my personal preference.
0: I, I, I do I must say I do feel bad. In my last podcast with Peter Howard, I was very mean to Tutu. I think I, I think I called him a heavy di- or a heavy uh, towel to help dry off the sweat of the players, and that was just rude. I do apologize oh, to people. <laughs> that was that, that came off so much harder than I really was intended to be. I was really wanted to be funny. It just it was a giant freaking flop. So that's my bad. I'm accountable for that. If I see him, I will apologize to him. And hopefully not get destroyed because I guarantee at 155, he could lay my ass out.
1: If you see him, it's funny you said if you see him. So uh, (laughs) this is a little fun tidbit. So I am planning on starting a podcast. And one of the guys that I'm going to get on there is an ex-NFL player that I work out with and kind of train a little bit. Um, Not a big name player, but we're working out today at the gym. And he goes, oh, there's Javon Ringer. And I was like, Javon Ringer? I was like, who the fuck is that? Well, Javon Ring here was uh, Chris Johnson's backup for the Titans. Uh, so ironically, you talk about running into people, Chris Johnson and Ty Myers, two NFL players, were just at my gym casually today.
0: That was cool. That's Really freaking cool. That's really cool. Uh, Jake, where can the good people find you at? What do you have going on? This is your time to cue in the audience on all this great stuff that you're working on, man.
1: Sure. Yeah. So um, you can find me at, dynasty underscore jake um i think my profile name is jake dynasty ff um you're gonna see some regression models you're gonna see some rankings i'm doing a lot of things that i think a lot of people aren't so i i hope i can bring some value to your timeline uh if not let me know how i can because that's my goal i try and bring content that nobody else is um also looking to start a podcast here soon um gotta get some kinks lined out but i've got a lot of things planned i enjoying the community and i've really enjoyed engaging everybody if you dm me message me i promise you i will do my best to respond i think i got like a 99.9 percent respond rate so we're doing good there so anybody talk about anything my dms are open i'm always happy to chat keep it respectful and, and we'll be good to go
0: Yeah, my friends, he is very serious and he's a one great freaking person and what a wonderful ad. And my folks and friends, as always, you can reach me on Twitter at VFFSandman or on Clubhouse at the same way. If you want to read my Debbie articles, you can find that on the Breakout Finder. If you want to see how the Debbie film breakdowns and analytics breakdowns that we do, you can go to YouTube and type in De- Devi deep dive and you can see me, Brandon, Corey, breaking those down. We have a, another player dropping tomorrow. And then if you want to see my fa- dynasty work, you can see. Uh, FFAffair.com fantasyfootballaffair.com. Thank you so much everyone for listening. I appreciate you. Maddie daddy appreciate you having us underneath the window on the umbrella. Eric, Bradley, can't wait to get you boys back on this podcast. It's going to be a great one. If you guys could do me a favor, rate and review this podcast. And also, if you rate and review the podcast, and then you send me a picture of your rate and review in the DMs and ask a question, we will answer that question on the very next podcast. So a little incentive to kind of help keep this pod boosting if you have any information, any suggestions or anything you want to see any players, please let me know because I'm here for the people to help you dominate your rookie drafts. And with that, y'all, show's up. Peace!